Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. Hey, it's the Ivy Podcast number 44. Thank you if you've been listening. <laughs> yeah, um, I can't believe it's we're coming on to like a, a solid year of consistently putting out an official podcast, which is pretty wow. amazing. Wow. I can't believe it. That takes a little bit of discipline because I tried other years before this. And I think, thank you for all your beautiful skills and putting these together and keeping me on track. <laughs> You're welcome. I genuinely <laughs> love doing this. I look forward to not just visiting, but just doing what I love, which is playing around with microphones and like audio software and stuff like that. So this is mm-hmm. my, my passion for mm-hmm. real. I wanted to do that with you because conversations come pretty naturally to us and we're kind of on the same level of like really examining who we are and and our world, our immediate environment around us. And if that is something that we want, and if it's not, then changing it. And that's also been another thing where your your discipline is just not everybody. I have never seen discipline like Melissa has. If she wants something, she'll be like, okay, I'm going to go vegan. And then bam, it's been five years. <laughs> it's six. six years. Yes. It's so... You know what? I was reading up on my astrology. Thank you for that, by the way. But I think it has to do, and I don't know if people who are listening believe in astrology, but like I'm a hardcore Virgo and those are all Virgo traits. And like, as much as I try to resist, like, oh, you know, this is all just some new age made up stuff. I really do fall into like my birth chart categories, like hardcore, it all lines up. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Like I try to stay like like a healthy skepticism, right? And believe in, you know, different things. But cancer is kind of what I am. I'm, I'm motherly. I really love to be a hermit, like in my little, like a little hermit crab. I just want my shell and I'm comfortable there. And like, I even made the trailer and it felt so comfortable to be carrying around my trailer on the back of my truck. And I was like, this is so perfect. You are um, so cancer vibes, like all the water, <laughs> all the emotion again, like the motherly, I'm going to build a nest and you have like multiple nests, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I believe. I believe. How cool. Like I, right now in my horoscope, and I think for all the horoscopes this time, astrologically, the way all the stars are placed is everybody's kind of going through a transformation phase, right? Either we accept or resist, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you're going to run down the hill or you're going to fall down the hill. Like that's how this is right now. So we're running down the hill and it's great. <laughs> And some people are like falling and tumbling and twirling and twisting and like getting, you know, bumped up along the way. That's how Mm. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, the reasons why I do believe in astrology and, and the stars and how they were when you were born is um, the effect of the moon on people and how that affects water. And if a lunar body can affect our bodies and the whole planet's body of water, then, then yes, I want to know more. 
<laughs> I've always wondered about those days. Do you ever have days where time seems to go so slow or time seems to go like super fast? Like, I think maybe that has something to do with these celestial bodies as well, because I don't, I have no real explanation for days like that. It's like suddenly, you know, the whole day is over or those days where it's like two hours has passed and it feels like you've been through like a 10 hour ordeal. Like right. I've always wondered what's up with those type of days when you go into like almost like a time vortex or you're sped up. It's just mm. so strange. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been times where it felt like time went so fast, it just disappeared. Like three hours gone. I don't recall what I did. <laughs> I was hiking, but it's just three hours later. It's kind of scary when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty messed up. Yes. <laughs> Missing time. Oh, I want to give a shout out to my little sister, Heidi. She texted me and she said that she listens to us on her jogs. Hey, Heidi. And that she feels like she's having a conversation with us. And that's, I just love that. That's kind of what we want. Just two aunties sitting. Exactly. Around. I think that's the, that's the key of a really good podcast. Not really good. Not, I'm not trying to like blow us up too much, but when you're like listening and you feel like you're genuinely in the conversation, are you like, you're hanging out? At least that's how I feel when I'm listening to other po people's podcasts too. I feel like I'm actually in the conversation and yeah. one of their like friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do catch myself like chuckling and then like adding my commentary and thoughts or like speaking my thoughts aloud and to other podcasts. And so thank you, Heidi. Thank you. Um, everybody else who is listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and any one of the platforms, SoundCloud, Instagram. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. And if we should talk about one subject or you'd like to hear our thoughts on any subject in particular. That would be so cool if someone like submitted a topic for us to talk about. And I know that on Apple, you can leave a review and that's, it like helps the algorithm. It helps us get more noticed. So if you are listening on Apple, if you take like 90 seconds to write a five-star review and just post it, that would really help us out. And we would really appreciate that. Ah, so much. Thank you. So I have an update on Michelle Latimer. Oh my goodness. Latimer, I haven't heard about her part of me. in... Oh, it feels like it's been years, but it was just last year, right? Yeah, I know, right? Again, this year just like flew by. So she has dropped her defamation lawsuit against uh, the CBC and four of its journalists. This is all according to APTN. She has six months to serve the document on the defendants, but she didn't do it. So she just didn't follow through. And um, sounds like she made the white, I mean, the right choice. Was that intentional? Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Um, wow. That's so great to hear. Thank you. Applause, Michelle Latimer. That's a, a good move and, and good accountability and good responsibility. It's just not, I don't know. Are we people who sue people to solve our problems? And do we do that in our community? I think it's a a Napiguan or the might man system. And I think there's different ways of making better relationships like culture humility. <laughs> yeah. I, like I don't know what's like... going to become of her, like how she could, I don't know, reconnect with this community. If, if that's even a possibility in the future, mm. not sure. Yeah. That's a pretty good topic there right there is like, because I'm a, maybe a cancer and I'm emotional, like 
I don't know if anyone has looked into it for themselves, but their own individual love language. So we all have different like love styles and it doesn't have to be love with a man or opposite sex or whoever. It's just like the way you love and the way you learn to accept love. And mine is communication. And so that's words. Even if, even though I can forgive, I I have forgiven lots of mean words. Like they stick with you for a while and it definitely affects like my thinking, mood, behavior, all of that. And it takes, you know, investment in <laughs> really undoing words. Um we were talking about Michelle Latimer. <laughs> yeah, like can she re- can she rejoin the community somehow yes. or can she like be forgiven? I don't know. Like it's really it's it's how ca- not careful. It's like the words she chooses and then the actions that back it up. So if she I don't know, if she is remorseful or sorry, maybe sometimes statements aren't good enough and you have to have that action back it up and and then sometimes she can carefully choose her words and if she still wants to continue to be part of the community maybe she could be like one of our first examples of people actually saying oh shoot I I did wrong for a really long time and I I still love the community and the community that I grew to knew as my own and this is how I'm going to position myself from here on out to continue to be that advocate just in a better way I think it's going to take a lot of time if she does choose to. And if not, then, you know, silence also says a lot. Silence says a lot. Yeah. Some things are just too hard to. I'm guilty of that. If something's hard, I I just will avoid it for a while. Yeah, I have. It depends on the day for me. <laughs> like, I'll have days where I'm, like, ready to confront and face everything. Then I have days where I can barely even, like, read a text. Yeah. You know, yeah, the pick your battle days. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, I guess knowing how to communicate and how you receive communication is all really important in trying to make things better. I wish they would teach that stuff in school from like kindergarten to 12, because I think that's one of the biggest skills that you need because it relates to every aspect of your life. And I think that when you're in school, we don't get taught stuff like that. It's like, Mm -hmm. you have to go into psychology when you're older to learn communications and human connection. Like, it's just, I've been really thinking about this lately, just, just like on my own style of communicating and how long it's taken me just to like develop this, the way I communicate and like, I wish I had learned this in sex ed or something like that, or home economics, where we just learned how to communicate. And we're even aware that there's different types of people who communicate in different ways. There's different ways of learning. I mean, there's just so much that gets buried in BS Mm. sometimes, Mm. you know? Yeah. So many relationships that might've otherwise bloomed, uh, but instead kind of went to misunderstanding totally wow wow communication is huge but good on her good on her for not taking an action that like makes her seem not part of the community like that's not a community value that's not how we solve our problems I mean you know there there's my grandpa did say to like 
go get an education, be good at it, learn their language, and then work in their systems and figure out how to make that work for us. Because up until that point, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, he, my grandpa still felt like we were, were, we are still getting served injustices and we're still getting only small percentages of what we actually deserve. And I watched um, a beautiful movie, which that reminds me of Teate on Netflix about a young woman who eventually ended up getting a native woman who ended up sleeping in Lincoln's bedroom at the White House to perform for the Roosevelt's. And uh, her uncle went to the, the Capitol and requested to get money out of trust. And I realized that that's, that's a lot like that happens in Canada, too, where Indian money is held in trust and then our leaders have to go and do all kinds of like acrobats acrobatics to like get our money out of trust and then the public perception is that we're getting these handouts but we there was a lot of bloodshed and tears and land loss and culture loss that that those dollars are supposed to somehow help you know rebuild or recover compensate for that loss but what was I saying again? <laughs> it's one of those days. It's oh, cold no. here. It's cold here. And my body's not acclimating well. I want to be, uh, it'd be so nice to be sitting by a pool somewhere in the south with the hot sun burning. Well, I don't want to rub it in, but you're more than welcome to go to Nevada. Uh, it's toasty today. Really? <gasps> It's like often on snowing here and it's windy and on the other side of the mountains, it's so windy that semi trucks are blowing over like eight of them that I've seen. Yeah. And then there's all the flooding in BC and that's, they had a horrible fire season and you get like these ash caps from rain that happens right after hot fires burn like flash fires burn through a forest and uh there's nothing to hold on all that debris and soil and when you get the first heavy rain or heavy precipitation it it just comes down and there's people's houses and backed up sewage and it's just yeah there's like four (sighs) nations that had to be evacuated in bc which is insane and Mm -hmm. we're trying to put a pipeline like exactly where the landslide happened like could you imagine if they had put that in there and then the landslide happened like the disaster would just be compounded with oil everywhere yeah. as well. Oh, that would be such a mess to clean up oil, sewage, just debris in general. But lots of prayers and good thoughts and hopefully uh, rebuilding happens soon for those West Coast families. I swear nature is fighting back with yeah. vengeance. I mean, I just read this other article about the storms in Egypt. Have you heard those storms about those storms? No, there was these intense storms across Egypt and they stirred up all the scorpions and like a bunch of people got stung and died because the scorpions, like the scorpions just came out and were like, and just killed like a few people. And it just goes to show like what our way of life is completely causing this like natural revolt of the earth. Mm. And Talk like, about- we're the ones who are going to be, <laughs> we're the ones who are going to get shut down now. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you talk about systems, natural systems and ecosystems, we are um, kind of turning parasitic, I think. And 
our actions are causing more harm and going back to communication styles, I guess that's my vibe today is I'm really like thinking about how do, how do I love and how do I accept love, you know, you know, cause you can't love if you don't know how to accept love. And so I'm really like doing some critical reflection on my, my love languages, but <laughs> I have uh, a love language too. I was reading about love language. Cause like I've said in previous podcasts, I have like a couple of mentors that I follow online for my personal self-development. And I went through a course, which was, you know, understanding attachment styles and love languages. And I am definitely a communicator and I need to be reassured. I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, mm -hmm. I don't care for gifts. You know, I don't need stuff like that. I just need to be like spoken to and reassured mm -hmm. that you are in the game with me. That's exactly. what I need. You know, and yeah. And maybe that's why it's easy to love each other because that's, we got the same language and we're kind of like, look, we're a year into conversations. We're still having a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but love languages, talk about love languages. Like it makes me think of the meme um, or it's not even a meme. It's a saying somewhere that I picked up, uh, walk like your feet are kissing the earth. And mm what are we doing to the earth when we strip mine we let it overgrow like smoky the bear syndrome where we put out every fire even if it's a wildfire and then all this undergrowth grows up and and then it just causes these flash burns which are burning way too hot ash cap the soil all of that goes into our streams now we're getting catastrophic flooding and i don't know the earth is a living being if we don't communicate in a in her love language <laughs> she's gonna shake us off like a nice case of fleas now i don't like to make assumptions about the earth and their love language but i'm pretty sure that <laughs> she's um one of the five love languages is physical touch mm -hmm. is what i'm assuming is her main love language and we are just not abiding by it or respecting it at mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. it's thinking about how we live and what we need. And it's not like, oh, these girls need to stop driving their vehicles and turn off their lights and using their cell phones because their cell phones use precious metals that were mined, you know, but indigenous people have always mined and they've probably mined in a way. And I'm looking for that information. If you're an indigenous person um, and you have a historic prehistoric knowledge of mining techniques, like my nations, we uh, collected paints and ochres, but there's some scientific papers that were talking about the metal use of indigenous people and how it came before the Spaniards that we were actively making copper arrowheads and items out of copper, fashioning copper ornaments, uh, jewelry and stuff. But we were mining and we mined turquoise, these ochres, copper, and I'm looking for places on the earth where there's evidence of that. I guess it was done in a place where they actually just emerge. And that's where trade takes place and where the value actually increases because all of this destruction, you have to pay those people. You have to pay them for the equipment. You have to pay for all of that. And that's like what's driving up the cost on an emerald or a, a, you know, a diamond or something like that. But native people of mind metals and other precious gems and stones and there's very few evidence of that practice left which means that we can mine without causing mass destruction 100 percent. so much to like <clears throat> reflect on i agree yeah I, I think 
maybe the earth has like all love languages because you know how we're, I think it's in a lot of cultures where we're supposed to get out as human beings and put our feet in the ground. And that helps actually like literally ground us. Mm -hmm. And so that's a touch and speaking like the Masaru Emoto studies where we can, our energy and our words projected at things, water cups, people actually have the ability to change molecular structures. Yeah. Acts of service, Mm -hmm. like physically Mm -hmm. going out and like cleaning up. There's the, I don't know if you're aware of the, the YouTuber, Mark Rober, Mm -hmm. he's an engineer and he's been using his huge platform and following to clean up the oceans. And he's even designed or him and this company designed this crazy big trash collecting machine that's solar powered. And it just sits at maybe like a river that's emptying into the ocean specifically in the the Dominican Republic, they've already done it. And it just collects all the trash and it sorts it and dumps it into these dumpsters. And then they go take it to the landfill or whatever. But there are people out there who are genuinely trying with acts of service to honor the earth, I guess. Yeah. Physically cleaning it up Mm -hmm. or like just at least removing our, our imprint or our impact. Mm -hmm quality time. Like I am, I can't believe I used to like, not like going to like public beaches, but spending quality time in nature is like my new favorite thing for like ever. I think, I mean, I would rather go for a hike on a Friday, like night, than sit around or like do a club or even go to a restaurant. Like I would rather just go be outside mm-hmm. and just enjoy it. I mean, there's so many doomsday articles that are coming up about how the next 50 years is going to be not how it is right now. And it just, I reflect on that when I'm sitting out there, I'm like, oh my goodness, is this going to be the last time I'm ever going to see it like this? Or is it going to be changing drastically in 20 years? And I feel like I I need to go back up North to enjoy what I can while it's Mm -hmm. still there, Mm. especially all the lakes. Cool. I love those lakes. I would love to visit you. Hundred thousand lakes. Can you imagine a hundred thousand lakes in Manitoba? No, no, I can't. Right? There's so many lakes. There's so many lakes that don't even have names. So I would like to to name one one day. Mm. Is there a Spence Lake? Not yet. (laughs) Oh, actually, there might be already. But I want like a Melissa Lake, Lake Melissa. Lake Melissa. Aww. I want to live by a lake someday. I want to hear the loons and the crickets. Oh, tell me about it. I'm craving it. Mm. There's Spence Reservoir. Spence Reservoir. <laughs> That's a fake lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like the the love languages of the earth. I've never even like thought of that before. That's crazy. But it all makes sense. And I'm going to reflect on that the next time I go outside because... I believe in quality time and like that physical touch of the earth and how, what it does to your body. Like that can't, that's like scientifically proven that we're, we're connected. Like there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. You really can't substitute it with anything else. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No. Yeah. There's like scientific studies on just look the effects of looking at the horizon. So that's like going out, sitting on our Hill somewhere and just looking at the horizon and how that increases um, dopamine and lowers chances and an instance of depression. So get outside. 
really important, especially this time of the year. I'm already noticing a lot of seasonal depression starting to pop up on my um, feeds on social mm-hmm. media. A lot of people are just like, especially here in America with the holidays coming up. Yes, sad you is know, a real like, thing. Mm-hmm. Seasonal uh, seasonal affective disorder. And it's when you have uh, very, very low amounts of vitamin D, which also is they're finding out that COVID patients who are dying have those really, really like catastrophically low levels of vitamin D sunshine. I supplement vitamin D because, because of my um, Hashimoto's. Oh. Yeah. Mine was super low, super, super low. The natural path was like, girl, how are you just sitting here? <laughs> like, oh what's wrong with what's goodness. wrong with me? Is it that bad? And she's like, yes, your your levels are like off the charts. And then completely low, like vitamin D was completely non-existent almost. And I was just barely getting by. And this was in Arizona where I went out almost daily for hikes. And wow. it was just my body was not absorbing uh, from my diet and from outside being, this is like a daily hike every day, everybody. So like your body, I don't know if you're feeling funky, definitely check out your, your levels. When people are told to go outside, if you're feeling depressed, they feel a little bit of resistance. Like they don't believe like, how can just going outside make me feel better? But Mm -hmm. I really do believe sitting in the sun or even just feeling the ground does have a have an impact even if it's just 20 minutes Mm. think of the euphoria you feel when you step outside and it just rained and you smell that fresh wet dirt that's one of my favorite what my favorite thing is lately is just reminding myself that the sun is a literal star Mm. like isn't that incredible I think that, and I don't want to sound like a big pothead or something, but I sit there and I'm like, holy smokes, we are literally around a star. Like that is so freaking cool. And it gives us so much life and it's, you know, beaming through all of our plants and all of the ground, you know, it's just, it just blows my mind when I, when I really get lost (laughs) and go into that wormhole of like what the sun is actually doing to the planet. I'm just like, oh, wow and I'll like trip out for like 30 minutes straight and just like let my body absorb it too I was at a festival and I was outside for six hours last weekend and I was just sitting there I'm like wow look at all of us we're all just soaking up the star vibes I wouldn't say that out loud but you know because people would be like she is on drugs even though I wasn't but it's just you it's all about perspective like you really have to remember what the F you are. And we just have this deep like disconnection in this society to anything nature related, which is so sad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't believe when I first moved to Glendale, Arizona for my college work or university work, I met a kid who lived around the corner of my apartment building and he had never been out of the Glendale city limits. Like he had never even gone to a mountain. That's common in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And it Glendale does for it, life. It, oh my gosh. For yeah. real. <laughs> but it takes a long time in any direction to get like to Piestawa Peak or to the White Tank Mountains. It's like 90 blocks in one direction. <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, I would take the bus to Piestawa Peak. And, I, and I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to sound classist, but like if you really wanted to go, you could pay like $4 for an all day pass and 
go to the mountain road and walk. That's what I used to do. I mean, I found I found ways to mountains on public transit in Phoenix uh, multiple times. But yeah, mm-hmm. in the city of Winnipeg, there was so many people who had never even left Winnipeg, and it would just mm-hmm. I would just be baffled by that. Like, don't you want to go somewhere? Yeah, don't you want to see a different type of horizon? Yeah, and I have noticed that uh, kids who grew up in the inner cities and urban environments have a fear of nature. So they think bugs are extra scary or they classify bugs as pests, which is it's very city like, right? Like out in the country, you have bugs and flies and mosquitoes and all of that. And you just kind of slap them and, and go on with your day. But in the city, in an apartment building, when you see a bug, you're you're like, oh, call the call the insecticide, man, the pesticide. Get the toxins in here. Let's right. spray them away. Yeah, I am definitely one of those city kids that was like terrified of like a bunch of trees. Like I said, I'm still trying to overcome my fear of like being alone in the wilderness. Trees are no trees. As someone who's experienced roaches a few times here in the desert, I mean, there are certain exceptions when it comes to bugs, but um, I've, I've learned how to keep the roaches at bay. But when it comes to flies and wasps, I mean, I have cats. They're like, ooh, time to play. But I totally get what you're saying about city people seeing nature in a different light and it being kind of scary because you're just surrounded by four walls and like concrete everywhere. And there's just nothing natural about that. And you become like a different type of being. And I think it's important to venture out and experience nature at least a little bit. I mean, parks, I mean, you can only do so much in a park, even man-made little lakes in my neighborhoods that we used to go hang out at with like geese. So we'd see some wildlife, but Mm. going into nature is something that I didn't really get into until I was an adult, Suta, which is crazy. I mean, you must, that must sound crazy to you. Someone who like lived in it your whole life, but it took, and I would be very like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's out here. I'm going to get like eaten by a bear or I'm going to get stung by something and venom's going to like take over my body and then I'll be done. Mm. But, um, I'm trying to overcome still my my outdoor fears which is why i have that death valley trip planned for christmas and i'm gonna boondock that's on so like exciting in death valley alone with no electricity or running water and just get through a 24-hour period on my own and not be afraid of nature and let it like embrace me instead which is what we're supposed to do yeah just don't follow any voices lights stay close to your vehicle keep your doors locked <laughs> Yeah. And trying to do it without a gun. So because I I genuinely don't want to kill anybody, but I've been training in boxing the past few weeks. So I could (laughs) knock someone out if I absolutely had to. Oh my goodness. I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) My right hook is apparently insane. So I had a little, like what I'm going to be thinking of, what you sparked, um, is talking about our communication styles and being fearful and thinking about how our bodies have enough energy transmission to change, have subtle changes to our environment around us. And then how um, groves of aspen trees have one connected root, no matter where they're at in this country, it's all one tree and they all communicate together. And so you think of those big, scary forests. What if you enter a forest and you yourself are the one responsible for how that forest receives you because it 
reads your language, stores it, and then transfers it and communicates it to the whole entire forest that this girl's coming in and she's pretty chicken. <laughs> so, so you bring out bring out those things i don't know it's like you know the scene in snow white where she goes running into the forest and it looks all crazy and scary and then she passes out but when she wakes up it's not really that scary and it was just a bunch of cute little animals looking at her <laughs> but it was all in her head in the end that's me whoa whoa it was all in my head and when you run into wild animals like bears and mountain lions you have to like keeping your composure is pretty critical I've heard and and I've run into what have I run into I've run into black bears um a lynx I've been followed by mountain lions one mountain lion paw uh was so it was as big as my face and it didn't even register to me right away because I was doing a water sample in a place that was like kind of marshy so I had these big old waders on and part of it uh you could use a like there's kayaks where you can actually get into these beaver ponds between these bushes. And it was about this time of year. And I looked down and I saw this big, big paw and it was fluffy and each pad was so round and it was deep into the ice, like a half inch in. And I, my first thought was, wow, that looks so cuddly. And then the second thought was, oh my God, Suta, that's not cuddly. That's going to kill you. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. And my dog, Anna, is like running around oblivious. He he treed a lynx. He um, chased away a bear, uh, treed a bear. And then one was totally oblivious to another bear who was who was coming down the trail. And it sounded like, and I had one headphone in and I thought I saw something. It was like a switchback up a mountain over a ridge. And I was running. That's when I used to run like 12 miles or something. And I was just getting up to the top of the ridge and I was switching back. It was, you know, the closer the switchbacks, the higher the incline. And I saw something in the trees move on the trail above me. And I took my headphone out and I heard. <sighs> and I was like, oh, my goodness, that's not what is that? And then I so I quickly reached for my um, bear spray, which was on my belt. And I amazed myself like my, my, I am, I love the way my body reacts sometimes because there's so many instances in my life where it's just been automatic motion where I reach back, unclip it, face it in the right direction. I'm already walking backwards. I'm doing everything right. And my dog is still running up the trail, probably 10 feet. <laughs> and I'm like, at that time, I'm like, Anna, what are you doing? Um, you're supposed to smell this thing. And then as soon as I said his name, this bear crashed down the mountain. Like wow. you could hear the branches breaking. And I also, the ravine kind of went off and then the trail went up to the other side. And I also um, ran back down the trail because I didn't know where the crashing only happened for a little bit. And then I didn't hear it anymore. So I didn't know if he was up at the top of the ridge still but I got down to the bottom and I met these other runners and they were like Olympic runners. They were sprinting through that. And I punished myself and I ran with them and forced myself to run with them all the way back up because it was my third time trying to get across Strawberry Ridge. And, and I, I have to do it this time. And right where I saw the bear, there was a pile of scat. And so I scared the crap out of the bear <laughs> just as much as it scared me. And then I was able to continue on, but 
bears yeah. make a crashing sound. And if your spidey senses aren't, aren't right, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I've experienced, um, kind of being chased by a bear, but not really. We were on its territory. We were in one of the lakes and, um, there was like a little Island called blueberry Island where they would all hang out. And we went on blueberry Island, which we shouldn't have because that's not our Island, but we wanted some blueberries or my friends did. And we were in a canoe. I stayed in the canoe because I just didn't feel right even going on the island. But my friends went up, they got some blueberries, and then we heard the crashing of like a bear. And I was like screaming. I'm like, get back in the canoe. We need to get out of here. And they were like, just a few more, just a few more. And I was like, do you not hear the bear crashing through the trees? And I was like, I'm going to leave you guys here because I know bears can swim. So like, you better get the F in this canoe or I'm just taking off. And like, sure enough, they jump in and like, I didn't even look behind. I just kept paddling Suta. I was just like in like survival, extreme adrenaline mode, just like paddling for my life. And I was so terrified. I couldn't even turn around to look to see if it was like trying to get in the water. Apparently it wasn't, but yeah, I, my spidey senses kick in. Even when we went to um, Lake Placid, remember that bear? I was like, yeah, it's a bear. And you're yes. like really and i'm like it's a bear <laughs> it was making cooing noises this bear was a happy <laughs> bear <laughs> he was cooing <laughs> but yeah i just like went stiff and i'm like that's a bear and then the time i saw the scorpion three feet from me when i had no shoes on and i was like okay i need to get out of here that kind of relates with everything today, you know, talking about communication and reading vibes and spidey senses and instinct and yeah, it's yeah, just, I have it, like this excited, I don't want to say fear, but I just have this excitement to go into death Valley for my trip and kind of just feel everything, you know, remember how nervous I was. I mean, you could probably tell that I was genuinely nervous. I just could not relax. I don't know if it was the Red Bull that day, but um, I'm really going to try to just be in nature by myself in like an area where there's no cell phone service. It's Death Valley. It's the lowest point on this continent. You know, it's below sea level. The Milky Way is going to look amazing out there. Like there's just so much beauty and it's such a majestic place. Like how could I go there and be scared? I mean, mm. it just... I'm looking forward to just overcoming that fear and mm -hmm. connecting on a different level, which has been a long time coming. Yeah, I think I've, um, I need to get out too. And it'll help me acclimate again, because I need to uh, get used to the cold. It's been so cold here, I can't get used to it. And the only thing that fixed it last year was jumping in cold water. So getting really cold or taking a super cold shower. And um, you jumped in the cold water last year? Mm -hmm. And so it's like a polar plunge. And so oh my we used goodness. to do it when we were kids, um, but you don't have problems. Like it might, it's probably my, my thyroid thing. I can't regulate my temperature and I'm getting like extremely cold and everybody else is fine. And I'm like shivering. I think I want to go to the hot spring and jump into the best one I like is um, over in Idaho or uh, the boiling river in Yellowstone, where it has the river. I like rivers right next to my hot springs and, and I don't like them developed. I don't like to sit in pools with other people and it's like taking a bath. I don't like it, but the river is totally fine. And then I go sit in the icy, icy winter cold river. And then I jump back in the hot spring side for a while. And I usually stay there until I get 
too hot, can't stand it anymore, a little bit lightheaded, get out, get a snack, get some water, jump back in the cold water and do that a couple of times. And then it seems to, to be, um, like I'm warm, like I've stoked my internal fire somehow. There is definitely a trick to surviving the cold. I know in Winnipeg where it's extremely cold, my trick would be, um, when I would be indoors and I would go outside the first time, I would be so cold where I'd be almost like violently shaking, but then I would come back in for a second and then go back out again. And that second time when you're in the cold, it wouldn't be as bad for some reason. So that was like my trick to survival was go out in that initial cold, get really, really cold for like five minutes, go back in, warm up a bit and then go back out. And then I would feel solid. So, and it is a mental trick. I mean, I remember so many times where I would be shivering so badly at like a bus stop or just being outside for something. And you would have to like, almost go into a trance and meditate and be like, it's just the cold. You can just stop shaking, like relax, breathe. If anyone's ever experienced extreme cold, like a polar vortex or like, you know, something way up in North, like what is it? The 49th parallel. It's, it's really extreme and it doesn't quit and it, it seeps into your bones. It's like a different type of cold and you really have to mentally like get used to it. It's just, it's hard to describe, but I would do the two, I don't know, exposure method, go out once, come back in, then go out again. And then that second time I would feel a lot stronger and more right. resilient. So Melissa and I are traditionally from places or our, our ancestors <laughs> created us and we were born into places that are regularly negative 40 uh, degrees, negative 45 degrees in the winter time. And sometimes that's extended three weeks of negative something horrible. Um, but it's ancestral. I think what we're talking about these practices, I think we have somehow either been taught or, um, our genetic memory tells us like, you need to expose yourself to it, to get used to it. Because in my nations, the Blackfoot people, we, one of my best memories growing up is having our winter sweats, uh, down on, on, um, two medicine and, uh, or badger, sorry, two medicine badger area. And, uh, we would poke a hole in the ice at the river and then tie a rope to a tree so that we wouldn't get taken under the ice. I was just little at this time, but uh, when you grow up out in the country, you're just kind of more confident out there. And so we would get out of the sweat all hot and steamy and run to the river through the snow and grab the rope and jump in the river and then just kind of like hold on to the rope in the ice hole and then get out and um, go jump back in the sweat. And it was so, so incredibly nice. And um, oh I just, I loved doing that and I would love to recreate that, but I am an Indian without land. So I can't even like I have three I have three teepees and I have nowhere to put them up and uh, just need land so, I've never done a polar plunge and uh there's like polar plunges done I think there's like a bunch of like radio stations that do a polar plunge in Winnipeg and I don't know who's that, whose land that is <laughs> but they definitely have their own polar plunges going on over there like the settlers and uh, the descendants of colonizers, but it would be cool to, I don't know if I could do it, Suta. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> I mean, I realized like 
all the benefits of even like cold showers and stuff like that. But I don't think I could do it. I mean, even jumping into Flathead Lake that day, like in the middle of summer, that was super cold. It was really cold. It reminded me of like a, a Northern Manitoba Lake in the summer. Like this is crispy. I can't imagine it with ice. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. You have to like mentally prepare for it. Right. Like I, I have asthma. What if I just like freaked out and like couldn't breathe? Cause I've, I've experienced days where it's so cold that just like takes your breath away, mm. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like uh, for me, it's, I'm, it's, I'm scared of the cold and I, I don't like it when I have fears. And so I want to challenge those fears. So I know that there's these teachings behind it. Um, and lots of fun activities around it. But for me, it's like, I'm really scared of the cold. I hate, like, it's, it's painful for me to be cold and my toes are cold right now, but that makes me mad a little bit, like kind of makes me angry that I'm so weak. Dang it. That's <laughs> how I feel about stronger. going camping. I feel like I get frustrated with myself. Like I was trying to psych myself up so much when we were driving up to that spot at Lake Placid. I was like, okay, Melissa, don't, don't be like one of those girls that can't do anything. Cause she's just so scared. Like, I couldn't even go to the bathroom by myself. Cause I was so <laughs> scared. And it, it is frustrating to have, you know, that weakness. So that's what I'm trying to overcome as well. When I go mm -hmm. to death Valley is, mm -hmm. can I just like smarten up and just be with the freaking land for once without having to like worry about this or that. And it is going to be kind of cold there too, but yeah, maybe a polar plunge is in my future when I return to Canada. Oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> it's the only way to get back into the North. <laughs> you got oh my goodness. You got your mucklucks going to the polar, yeah, polar plunge. You should get a nice good pair of like moccasins to wear around the house. They'll definitely keep your toes cold. I mean, you keep your toes warm. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. I, I, I was working on a purse cause I'm getting, you know, I'll constantly working on this set of beadwork and outfit and, and I put it to the side for, for a week or so while I finish these new moccasins and I'm, they're going to be the tall moccasins. So, and I'm going to use my old braid ties and I'm going to line the inside of the braid ties I think it's a uh, mink, um, for my, you know, the braid ties, what I'm talking about. And I'm going to line those and sew them onto the inside of the moccasins so that when I wrap them up around my legs, it's warm and cozy winter mocks. Yeah. I've had Manitoba mucklucks in the past and like it, they survived Manitoba winters. So they were so warm that I would have to take them off indoors. Like that's not the kind of boot you would wear all day at the office. Like I'd wear them to work, but I would have to take them off because they were just so hot. Mm -hmm. And that's truly how our ancestors survived. I mean, Pete is not going to like it, but like we needed hides and skins and furs to stay warm because it truly is the warmest. And mm -hmm. I speak from personal experience. Mm -hmm. And I think right now the focus, if we're talking about protecting animals or saving animals, this is why I'm so distracted is because I've got these two amazing projects on my, that I'm working on right now. And one's the mapping project, this is the Blackfoot significant place map, which is just about to roll out. I just keep saying one more picture, one more picture, and then I'll publish it. 
Um, but then the other is a CWD food sovereignty, climate change, uh, kind of like a habitat and ecosystem health check. And so we're taking these working dogs, this Blackfoot woman gets to work with working dogs uh, again after a few hundred years. And we're going out to these different watering areas looking for mink and otter scat. We're going to take that scat back to the lab and test it for chronic, wa- uh, well, eventually chronic wasting disease pharmaceuticals, flame retardants, those come from illegal dumps like mattresses, washing machine or refrigerators, refrigerator systems, COVID-19. And we just saw that article come out on um, SARS and white-tailed deer and their ability to get SARS and transfer it to humans. And so there's like, if we care about our animals, we need to care about what we're putting into our environment like what's our like going back to that love language again like how are we treating the earth and is it other or are we caring about our impacts in the products that we use and and the jobs that we do and the the waste that we discharge and why are we discharging it back into our rivers i would love i would love to change the infrastructure of north america to completely eliminate discharge pipes to rivers like those need to be treated and then put back into like some kind of aquifer where it trickles down and and gets cleansed even more because right now wastewater treatment systems are not eliminating pharmaceuticals or certain viruses and so those every wastewater treatment system in america is just flushing loads and loads of covid19 into the environment what drinks it from there (laughs) like birds don't know that it's not a discharge pipe like for the city right like all these animals they don't know and so yeah industrial farming is bad but i think we're having a bigger impact that's not being spoken about in the things that we're allowing our activities our development and and how that really impacts like yes one development isn't that bad the environmental impact statement said it would be okay but how about 20 or 30 more of those developments in that same place. And each one goes through the same review process, but they're not cumulative review processes. So they don't include past projects or future projects. I could go on and on, Melissa. Like we got to protect our environment if we want to, if we want our grandkids or a future of humanity to be anything like the way we have it now or the way our parents and grandparents had it. Yeah. Like imagine not being able to go camping and enjoying a lake. Like, I can't even imagine not having that option anymore. And it's, it's growing. It's a growing, it's being taken away as we speak because warming temperatures, um, for like the fish barely have a temperature water they need, like they need cold, clean, cool, like water. And right now we don't get enough precipitation. The temperatures are too high. So it's really low levels of water and they're extra high. So we have things like cyanobacteria taking hold of places. And, and if you see one of these, every state has a reporting system. Cyanobacteria is a turquoise or a teal algae that grows on the water. If you touch it or swim in it or play in it, you'll start to feel flu-like symptoms within about an hour or two. And it's just, and it happens the same for, for animals. And so it's decreasing their water uh, supplies, our water supplies, and then our, our recreational activities and our kids are affected by this stuff growing on the shores of our lakes and, and streams, but they are being taken away. We have 
quite a bit of loss already. Check your love language with the earth. <laughs> Check <laughs> your love language. And tell us about it. I'd love to hear about it. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Indigenous Vision podcast. You can find out more about us on our official website, including how to contact us, make a donation, or play back any of our music radio shows or this podcast. Don't forget to share with your friends and write a review if you've got time. We totally appreciate you sharing your time with us. Thank you.